Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. I think today we're going to try to wrap up the first bracha of the Amidah so that after today for next week we will move on. We've been on this bracha for a number of weeks. We spent a lot of weeks looking at the halacha of how to do it uh, in the Shulchan Aruch. And um, what we noted, and the reason I dwelled on this so long, is there are really only um, two parts of the of the daily sidur where the halacha says you need kavanah for this, and if you don't, you blew it, right? You really haven't fulfilled your mitzvah fully unless you have full kavanah. That is, what's the other passage besides the first bracha of the Amidah? The beginning of the Shema. First line of the Shema. Right. Only line number one. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. So for that line and for the entire first bracha of the Amidah, those are the two things that are, you're, you're supposed to have kavanah for all of the brachot, all blessings. And there's an argument in the Gemara if, you didn't have kavanah. Did you fulfill the mitzvah or not? So there's that's arguable. So you're supposed to have kavanah for everything. Okay. But the two things that the halacha makes very clear that you must have kavanah, which means intention for the meaning of all the words you're saying are the first line of the Shema and the entire first bracha of the Amidah, which is that whole first paragraph up to Baruch HaTashem Magen Abraham. Okay. So, um, uh, what I'm going to share with you today, this is very personal, is just kind of how I make use of the first bracha of the Amidah as my kavanah. Terry, if you look at your notes from three years ago, I said this, and it's sort of a different version of it because, you know, things change in three years. So um, I was started on this road by the late, great Rabbi Aryeh Kaplan. So Rabbi Aryeh Kaplan was one of the, I'm just going to call it, Orthodox gifts to the hippie era. Uh, orthodoxy filtered through hippieism of the 60s and 70s. And the, the three uh, great people were, you know, all gone now. Uh, Zalman Schachter, uh, Shlomo Karlbach, and Aryeh Kaplan. Uh, Aryeh Kaplan died young, I think early 50s, maybe. I think he had cancer. Uh, a little bit before my time or my awareness. And I think he had a science background and he taught at Brooklyn College and he really legacied, uh, whereas Zalman Schachter legacied Hasidic consciousness and practice, pra- practice to the liberal Jewish American world with story and praxis. R.A. Kaplan really legacied the traditional Hasidic world to the liberal Jewish American world in writing. So he had published many, many books and did a lot of stuff around Jewish meditation. So he has one book called Jewish Meditation, um, aptly enough. That's the one I recommend to start with. And he has two paragraph, two, two, um, chapters in there in which he talks about using the first bracha of the Amidah as a meditation, he basically takes off from the idea of the halachic idea that we talked about that the first blessing of the Amidah, you must have kavanah. And then he talks about his kavanah 
um, or how he understands the wording of the first bracha. So what I'm going to say now is about, I don't know, I'm not quite sure, 80% R.A. Kaplan and maybe 20% me. I, I don't quite know what the percentage is. Um, so, um, so first of all, for me, the opening of the Amidah, this is my moment to actually, actually try to focus on, um, my theology of my, the nature of God and my religious anthropology of my role in the universe. Who is God and why am I here? Two of the most basic questions. Um, so personally, in general, my idea of God theologically is not the Maimonidean idea. Maimonides' idea is that God is a, I was going to say spirit, but Rambam wouldn't say spirit. He would say pure intelligence, whatever that means. By the way, everything I'm going to say about the nature of God, you know, I don't really understand what any of these words mean. They're just words as an attempt to try to, to, um, to understand the, the ineffable. Um, so Rambam understands God as a, as a spirit, pure intelligence outside of the universe, separate from the universe. The universe could have never existed. The universe could cease to exist at any moment and God would still exist. Okay. That's what we say in the theology of, 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 uh, Yigdal and Adon Olam. So that's the Maimonidean idea of God. And I, I just don't understand that. I don't get that. Um, so when I say like, oh, I don't believe that, what I mean is like, uh, I just don't get it. It doesn't move me. It doesn't speak to me. So, um, in general, I, I more believe in a Kabbalistic idea of God, which is God is the fabric of the universe. God is the universe. God is the fabric of the universe. Uh, all is connected in God because everything in the universe is all connected. And the scholarly people call this panentheism. It's not pantheism. Pantheism means everything is God. Panentheism means God is in everything. And uh, the, the, the Hasidic group that talks about this the most is really Chabad, right? When they're not dancing around and on the telephone <laughs> and, and driving around their Hanukkah mobile, they actually have a very deep and profound um, theology, which essentially says um, God is the universe. There is nothing that is not God. Everything that appears to not be God, that's just a human illusion, right? It's like saying... Here, I'll, I'll do a visual. It's like saying these two things that you see under my chin are two separate things that have nothing to do with each other, right? It's really an illusion. They're just part of my hand. So Chabad's idea is that the entire universe is the fabric of the universe is the fabric of God. I can't say it in a way that makes any more sense. So makes sense to you? Does it make sense to you? I don't know. If I don't have it right, some Chabadnik will correct me, please. Um, AbrahamHavidi at gmail.com. If someone with a deeper Chabad background out there is listening to the, the podcast, please send me, in, send me an email and correct me. So, um, so, and the other Kabbalistic idea, since everything is connected, everything in the universe is connected, everything is part of the fabric of the deity, the fabric of the universe is the fabric of the deity, everything is connected, then uh, 
um, everything in the universe both receives deity and disseminates deity. It's like you breathe in and you breathe out. And in Kabbalah, this is called Mikabel and Mashpia. Mikabel means you receive. Mashpia means you emanate forth. It's like you breathe in, you breathe out. So you can think of this as divinity. You can think of it as because we're modern, we're 21st century and Californian. We could call <laughs> this energy flow. That's what it is called in California. Okay. The last 20 years. So you are a receiver and a transmitter of divine energy. You are a receiver and a transmitter of divine energy. And just as every cell in your body is connected to every other cell in your body, however distantly and indirectly that might be, so everything in the universe is connected to everything else in the universe, however distantly and indirectly that might be. Somewhere in there, I also read something about Einstein and spooky matter at a distance that also fed into this, um, which I'm sure I totally did not understand. I'm sure I misunderstood physics and misunderstood um, Kabbalah, but that's what I get out of it. So that means I'm a receiver and I'm a transmitter of divine energy. I'm connected to everything in the universe, which includes my, you know, next door neighbor who gets on my nerves, as well as some per- someone on the other end of the globe, as well as the bumblebee, right? So I am a mikabel and a mashpia. I'm a receiver and a disseminator, which means I'm a transmitter or a node. It's like the entire universe is energy all connected to each other, and each one of us is a node. Yeah, Eric keeps on sort of shaking his head like I think, he, you know, you look like, uh, what is he talking about? So I'm just trying to share with you my, my meditation at the beginning of the Amidah. We're very blessed that we have a slow davener as the Gabai, okay? Because when I daven, like in a quicker, more ortho, chick-chock minion, it's like I haven't finished, I haven't started the first bracha of the Amidah, and they're already on the repetition. Sorry, Eric, I didn't mean to call you out there. Okay. All right. But you looked, I don't know, bemused or something like that. That would be my, my, my word about it. Um, so this is, so, and you all have your, your own idea of God. So this is like your opportunity to contemplate. So I say, Hashem Svatai Tivtach, Ufi Agi Tilatacha, right? This is my time for me to start. I pause and I, and, and here's how I actually contemplate the nature of that flow. I think of myself. I think of all of the members of my nuclear family, my spouse, children individually. You know, I might wake up in the morning and not think about each child individually. So it's a good opportunity. In my mind, I name them. I think of them. Then I think I have a brother and he has his kids. My wife has brothers and they have their kids. I have my parents who are gone from this plane and grandparents, my wife's parents and I have children and God willing more descendants. And I am actually a Mikabel and a Mashpia of the divine energy from everyone in my family, meaning they've all given me a legacy and I have a mission of to be a good transmitter 
of divine energy, whatever that means. So I center myself in my family. And then I think of my bubble. My bubble means to me, my, my friends, my neighbors, my neighborhood, my schools, my students, my patients. And then I think of whatever I have to give, I give because I received, because I grew up in schools and I had teachers and I had schools and I had summer camps and I had friends and I had neighbors, right? So in terms of my personal bubble beyond my family, I'm a mikabel and a mashpia of divine energy. I'm a, I'm a node that receives and transmits. And then I think of uh, the Jewish people, humanity, I actually have in my mind, uh, uh, I'm, I'm doing a little thing over the whole globe, continent by continent in my mind. Animals, my dog, the bumblebee, the cockroach that I might have squished, right? <laughs> Plants, inanimate energy. So that means Hashem is connected to the sun, the electrons, the babbling water in the fountain in my backyard, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that is a manifestation of divine energy and it is all connected and it all is an incredible, uh, incredibly complex beyond our fathoming web of divinity or web of energy or web of electrons, however you conceive of that. To me, those are all different ways of saying the same thing, all right? And I am a node among, you know, if I got, if I have all those, you know, billions of brain cells with all those, um, all those, uh, what do they call them? Synapses. Then, and that's just like one brain, right? And the whole universe. So there's got to be how many skillions of synapses of the everything in the entire universe all connected to each other. And we are all nodes of nodes, N-O-D-E-S, of divinity connected to everything else in the universe. And then I take a breath in and out because the breath is a concrete, superficial, not accurate, but concrete way of trying to experience that. Take a couple of breaths in and out as a representation of divine flow of energy. Then I'm ready. Okay. So then... The words Baruch, we talked about Baruch as meaning infused with blessing, but also this goes back a year and a half ago, but also Kabbalistically related to the word Brecha, fountain. Kabbalah conceives of the universe as like a, like those old fountains where different levels cascade into different lower levels and then it all recirculates. That's just another metaphor for flow of divine energy. Right. So breath is a metaphor. Electrons is a metaphor. Uh, flow of a fountain is a metaphor. All of these are just metaphors that our, our senses can grasp that help us think about what does it mean when we say um, God's energy infuses everything in the universe or in Hebrew, Milo Chol Haaretz Kivodo. Right. God's Kavod fills the whole universe. What does that mean? So, so all of this said thinking of contemplating the nature of God and envisioning myself as a node. And of course, 
each one of us cannot help but envision ourselves as the node in the center of this universe, because that's how we're wired to think of the world. World, But of course, you have to decenter yourself. You're just one node among skillions and skillions of nodes. Okay. But none of us, we cannot help but experience ourselves as the center of all of the spokes of the Mechabel and the Mashpia, the receiving and the transmitting. So, Baruch, uh, so um, um, full of blessing, full of energy, full infused with flow. Ata, right? Ata reminds me that then everything else I encounter, which means the annoying next door neighbor, right? Um I have a new next door neighbor who replaced the annoying next door neighbor. I, I don't know about them yet, so I don't want to be late. But the previously, the annoying previous next door neighbor, um, everyone I meet in the street, the lowest status workers who we encounter day to day, and the birds and the bees and the bugs and the flowers, everything else in Kabbalah is an ata. Everything is infused with divine energy. Everything you encounter is infused with divine energy, is an aspect of God. Uh, Hashem, God's name. Um, before I say uh, Adoshem, I, I read somewhere, I don't know if this was an R.E.A. Kaplan, I think it might have been something else, that it is interesting that the unspeakable name of God is composed of Yud, Hey, and Vav, and Hey, and those are all breath sounds. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So that I, before I say God's name, right, Adonai, I think of those letters as sort of the breath sounds. Again, it reinforces for me the metaphor of breath, which is flow. It's all just a way to try to understand flow. Elokeinu, this is our deity. Elokeinu, this is a deity that has been legacy to us by our ancestors. Here's who the ancestors were. Elohei Avraham, Elohei Sarah. Avraham, you know, you can read all sorts of stuff of Avraham, the lonely knight of faith, K-N-I-G-H-T, right? He was the contemplator. He was the one who found Hashem, understood God by thinking, by contemplating. Bless, bless you, Terry. All those Midrashim we learned about Abraham, you know, he looked at the sun and then he looked at the moon and he looked at the stars and he figured it out. So Abraham understood God by figuring it out. Um I have in this is just in my mind. Don't ask me to defend it because uh, I'm not sure I can. But um, Sarah, then I think of as uh, understanding her role in the world and her place with God by intuition. It's a little bit gendered. Sorry. Head and heart. Avraham and Sarah. He understood God this way. She understood God that way. OK, so in terms of. The individual's relationship to God, we can apprehend God through intellect or through intuition, mind, heart, Avraham and Sarah. Yitzchak, Elohei, Yitzchak, Elohei, Rivka. I think of them as serving God by being doers. Yitzchak has been compared to the greatest generation, that post-World War II generation. We don't know much about his personality. He didn't say a lot. He just put his head down and plowed forward. He dug the wells. He planted, you know, all sorts of stories about he was traumatized by his father, Avraham, at the Akeda, and that's why he didn't, he wasn't a talker, but whatever, right? So he was a, he was, he was a doer. He served God by doing. 
He got up in the morning, put his trousers on one leg at a time and went out and did his job, supported his family. Greatest, again, uh, the greatest generation kind of metaphor. Rivka was also a doer, but as we know, Rivka was a person of action. So Yitzhak plotted, P-L-O-D-D-E-D. Rivka was the reactor, right? She reacted. She knew what to do. She did the stratagem to, to help Yaakov get the blessing. She was the one who left her family. She is actually the true heir of Abraham. I'm summarizing a lot of modern Midrash right now. So I'm going because I'm going to speed up. Okay. So Abraham and Yitzchak are connected to God by understanding God, their personal relationship with God through intellect, through intuition. Yitzchak and Rivka serve God or connected to God through doing. Yitzchak by plodding along Rivka through action. Ya, Elohei Yaakov, Elohei Rachel, Elohei Leah. That third generation of ancestors served God or related to God through their interpersonal relationships. Yaakov, by trying to hold on to his faith and his godliness through all of his interpersonal struggles with Esav, with Lavan, etc. Yaakov was the troubled, trouble, I'm going to call it troubled, man of struggle, hanging on to faith through the daily struggle, something I personally can identify with, whereas Leah is seen as the embodiment of loyalty and Rachel the embodiment of compassion. And again, there's Midrashic stuff behind all of this. So just to take a step back, I think of our ancestors demonstrated for us pathways different ways for how we can relate to God or serve God in this world. Elohei Avraham, there are many ways. We all have our different ways. Elohei Avraham, Elohei Sarah, right? Avraham, who discovered God through intellect. Sarah, who related to God through intuition. That's the weak link. I don't have any Midrashic material behind that, right? Um, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Rivka. The second generation who served God through doing Yitzchak by putting one foot in front of the other, Rivka through action. Elohei Yaakov, Elohei Leave, Elohei Rachel. The next generation that served God through their relationships with people in the world. Yaakov somehow through his interpersonal friction and struggle that he had in life. Leah through absolute loyalty. Rachel through compassion. These are all ways in which our ancestors found a path for their service of God in the world. So they're all models. So if I'm a node and my job is to be a, to take everything, all the divine energy that I've received from my family, from my bubble, from the Jewish people, including Rashi, from all of humanity, from the animals, from the plants, from the electrons and the bubbling water, and to transmit it all out and make sure I'm a good transmitter. What are my ways of doing that? So Arbracha says, you have ancestors. You have lots of models. And surely we all um, have our own particular ways of being a conduit of divine energy. Conduit is another way of thinking of it. Okay, my word is node. Other people say conduit. Other people say anten- transmitting antenna. This God is vastly infinite because we're saying the God who is up there in biblical thinking, God is 
up there the highest, right? Our thinking today is less, we try to be less concrete. So we don't think of God as being up there. We think of God as being, I don't know what to say, out there, right? In an, in some non-physical, non-three-dimensional sort of way. Gomel Chasadim Tovim who repays small kindnesses and is the author or owner or creator of everything. So that means the vast energy that runs the universe also causes that leaf to flutter and causes that one brain, that one chemical to come in the gate of that brain cell synapse, right? So the divine, whatever that means, is the everything out there which is connected to every tiny littlest thing, the piece of plastic you're going to throw away that will be landfill for the next however many hundreds of years, right? So the divine energy is out there and it, it's vast and huge and it connects to every little thing. We've talked before about the uh, all religions deal with the tension between the transcendent and the imminent, imminent, I-M-M-I, right? God is out there, yet God is in here, right? God is in, is in out there in the universe, but God cares uh, in, 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 uh, in the terms of the Psalms, but God cares about the food for every single creature, right? We say like, how could God be doing those things? How could God be the universe, but also I should pray for sick people, right? So that's one of the paradoxes and tensions in religion that we, again, we, we can't fully understand uh, logically, it's an article of faith. So, but also Gomel Chasadim Tovim God is way out there. God is, cares about the tiniest things. So, uh, second opposition, God is the God of time back to our ancestors and also brings redemption in history, right? So, God is infinitely connected to everything through space and also through time. That's what Olam means, by the way. Olam means infinity, and it means, in, originally it means infinity in time, in biblical Hebrew, and then eventually gets to mean infinity in space, and that's how it gets to mean the universe, right? So this deity is vastly transcendent, yet imminent in every single thing, from the beginning of time to the end of time, whatever that means, is God's name, which is essence, right? How does any of this make sense? I have no idea, but this is God's essence. All of this is God's shame. Everything I just said up until now is God's shame. And it is the leap of faith, right? It's one of the Jewish leaps of faith that this is somehow imbued with love, which is hard to accept sometimes, right? That somehow the nature of God, the nature of the universe, that we experience it, that we can experience it, that we should experience it as fundamentally loving, as opposed to the purely scientific view, which is that it is indifferent, right? The scientific view is, the universe is indifferent. The universe 
doesn't care if someone dies of cancer. It's just kind of the way of the universe. Okay. Um, and there's sort of a, a religious leap of faith that no, the universe is not indifferent. By the way, each one of these, you know, like, could that be a 10 session class? You know, is the universal universe benign and loving or indifferent? Like, yes, each one of these could be a 10 session class. Um, which I would not be the person to teach because like, I'm not a systematic theologian. I just read stuff and I, and where is this stuff from? It's all just cut and pasted from things that I've read that I liked. And I said like, oh, that fits. And it all started with Arya Kaplan. Okay. Melech Ozer Ufokedu Moshia Omagain. I've never figured out what to do with those words in my meditation that God is a uh, supporter, Melech Ozer Ufokade and remember Umoshia and savior, Umagain and protector. I think the last time I did this about three years ago, maybe it was Michael Harris or someone else said, well, those are like four levels of something or other. It, it made sense to whoever was. Mike, was it you? Are you there, Mike Harris? He might be gone. No. Was it you who said that last time? No. It was someone else in Sidur class the last time I talked about this three years ago who said, well, sure, it's the four levels of something or other is how they think of Melech Ozer Ufokedu Moshiel Magain. And it didn't, now, now that I know it wasn't Michael Harris, I'll say, it didn't quite make sense to me, meaning it was that person's meditation and understanding. It wasn't mine. And I nodded my head and said, okay, and I don't remember it, and it hasn't stuck with me. So I don't know what to do with Melech Ozer Moshiach again or Melech Ozer Ufokeh Moshiach again. Baruch Hashem again Abraham Ufokeh Sarah. So basically, the legacy of our ancestors, I'm going to summarize and pull it all together. The legacy of our Jewish ancestors to this, to us, is that we are the people who live with God. We are a nation who lives with God. It's our Shiviti Hashem Linegdi Tamid, as it says in the Psalms. I place God before me always. We are supposed to live with God consciousness. Opening bracha of the Amidah is your opportunity, one's opportunity to have Kavanah for what that God consciousness is. So I've tried to share with you today. Sorry to go on. I went on at great length. I apologize. Um, this is like what I do with the first bracha of the Amidah. You can do with it whatever you do with it. But for me, this is my kind of morning spiritual uh, meditation. And some of the time, depending on how much kavanah I have, there's some days when I haven't finished the first bracha yet and the chazan is already starting the repetition of the Amidah. What are you going to do? Right. Um, pause, question, comment. We'll take two minutes. See, I could, this is not fair. I could take everyone here and say, and what's your meditation during the first bracha of the Amidah? And then you would also have half an hour's worth to say. Larry? First, thank you. You're welcome. This is awesome. I have one comment, two questions. The comment's very brief, which is there was a film in a book years ago called The Unbearable Likeness of Being. Yep. What you've described is, seems to me almost the inverse, the unbearable weight of even entering into prayer. Um, I'm in awe and would love to have this conversation go on longer in terms of what it takes to enter into prayer, enter into the Amidah and concepts of God. To cut the, the, the that was the 
the comment. I guess the others are comments too. Arya Kaplan was a physicist. Physicist. Thank you. I was always, and I have been, as you know, maybe you don't know, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm not a follower of him the way you are. I, I love his translation of, of, of Torah. And I bring it to, to Rabbi Clickfeld's uh, <clears throat> class because it's always yeah. very different and interesting. Interesting, but I've always been amazed that a physicist dealing concretely in the harsh realities of, of the world, which you described a little bit, could also be a believer in the way that he is, in the way that frankly I am not. But it's always been just an amazing thing to me. Yeah, and, I mean, and yeah, I just want to say, you know. Um, the, the psalmist in many psalms, David Amel, was a scientist. He looked at the world, tried to figure out how things fit together, and said, oh, my God, it's so amazing. And that led him to a greater appreciation of God. So, you know, I just think that person today would be a physicist or a neuroscientist or something like that who would say, oh, my God, because of science, we have such a much more you know, back then, all they could say is, oh, God gives food to every creature. You know, some creatures come out and eat by day and other creatures come out and eat by night, like Psalm 104. Like, that's the world. And nowadays, because of science, we have such a more complex appreciation of, let's just say nature, for lack of a better term, um, which, which, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the psalmist living today would be a physicist writing poetry or something like that. A physicist writes religious poetry. Yeah, that would be the heir of the author of T.E. Lee. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, right. How does it all make sense? I don't know. By the way, all that stuff that I said, like, does it make sense? I have no idea. Uh, this is my way of trying to make sense of it. So I just want to encourage people to take time. I'm going to wrap it up the next minute or two, to take time to use the first bracha of the Amidah. Kavana means intention. It means contemplation. It means meditation, right? To sort of set your thoughts, your mind, your heart in, again, let's speak, let's, let's go take a step back to classical rabbinic terms. I'm coming in for my personal audience before the monarch in which I'm going to ask for healing and making a living and get rid of the wicked politicians and, 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 you know, pay more money to the social workers and the foster parents and the people who do good stuff in the world, et cetera. Um, thanks. Link for link to mind Bialik. Um, our local, our local, uh, orthoprax neuroscientist. Um, um, Sorry, I got derailed. Right. So it's my, it's, it's your audience before the monarch. God. How do you think of God? What does that mean? Right. So I think the, I think the halachic injunction of you need to have kavanah for the words of the first bracha can mean you're entering into your personal audience, individual, that's why we all have our own Amida time, okay, with the deity. How do you conceive of that, right? How do you conceive of the deity? And how do you approach? And what does any of that mean, okay? Um, and by the way, if you go to a, a, 
an Orthodox yeshivish minion, which means if you were a male and you went to an Orthodox yeshivish minion, because then you would be able to see what happens. Because if you were a female, you'd be in the back behind the machitza. You wouldn't be able to see it. But if you look at the most important Rebbe in the room, like the Rosh Yeshiva, and you wait to see <clears throat> when they do their second bowing, which means they got to Baruch HaTashem Magen Avraham, it takes them a long time to get to their second bowing. Okay? And that is because they are davening the first blessing of the Amidah with Kavanah, whatever that means to that person. Okay? So part of how we learn to daven, how we're supposed to, is mimetically, which means you look at other people. But if you look at the Rosh Yeshiva davening, the Rosh Yeshiva took a long time to get to the end of the first bracha, because the Rosh Yeshiva said that first bracha with a more intense kavanah than the rest of the Amidah, because that blessing halachically requires more intense kavanah, which means you're contemplating your place, the ancestors, what is their legacy to you? How do I come before God? What, remember we talked about, we're talking about this is my cred. I'm not just Joe Schmo off the street. I'm part of, you know, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the chain of the Jewish people. What does that mean to be part of God's people? So I just tried to share with you, sorry to go on at such length, tried to share with you kind of evolving over the last, oh, I don't know, 20 plus years or so, how I've been trying to work it out in my mind. And you know what? Some days I can't do it and it's really short. And then there are other days where I haven't finished the first bracha and the chazan is already up to chazarat hashats. And, um, you know, so that's how it is. Okay. Sorry to go on for so long. I apologize. Onwards to the second bracha of the Amidah next week. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.